Dave. This graph we have behind us, the we talked about this fuzziness was something I never really experienced or heard of before. Is that? Well, that's because we just figured it out figured last it out? week. That's good. The uh, <laughs> is the wideness of the fuzziness area, if you will, the reason why you may be able to jump ten or fifteen pounds initially on a squat or deadlift for a novice, and then it starts to taper rather yeah, quickly. That's exactly. exactly the concept you're trying to convey here. Exactly the concept I'm trying to convey is that a. A, a biological organism can't do a supercompensation calculation. And that's a silly way to phrase what's actually going on. Okay. What's happening is that adaptation is, a, is a, a broad phenomenon at first. And then the more and more adapted an organism gets, the narrower that adaptation becomes. All right? Just like, and you can go ahead and sit down if you want to continue to, to talk. You don't, just stand up and answer the question. Ask them, or you can stand up if you want. <laughs> but the, so, so the idea is that we all know that the stronger a guy is, the stronger you are, the harder it is to get even stronger. And the weaker you are, the easier it is that any physical stress you experience makes you stronger, right? As we've often said, when you first start training, riding a bicycle makes your bench press go up because you're so thoroughly unadapted. So, so anything that heads you in the direction of adaptation is, uh, is going to produce uh, a response within your whole physical capacity. But the more and more that happens, the more specific to the, speci to the stress that adaptation becomes. Okay. And if you, say, let's say you go up, at first you can take 10 pound jumps on your, on your deadlift for quite, you know, for a, a few weeks, right? And if you come in on the first day you train and you do, first day you train, 135 for five on the deadlift. All right. First, that probably wasn't a limit set. Because we're not gonna hand you a limit effort on the first day, because we're professionals and we know better than to do that, right? But doing 135 and adapting to the stress of doing 135, the, the, the stress is 135 and the adaptation is 135 about. It's about 135. And the fact is that that about has a range that's above the specific value of the stress. You didn't supercompensate. I guess you can say it that way if you want to. Right? But the compensation was, was broad in general. And if you compensated for 135 for five, you can do 145 also. So what we're gonna do is ask you to do 145 next time, and that's within the fuzz. It's within the fuzz. And now that's the stress to which you've adapted to.
and it has some overshoot as well. So we're going to go to the top of that overshoot and ask for that, and then it, it moves up. In fact, here's a way to draw it. You see what I'm doing here? I'm selecting a value above the terminal part of the previous adaptation distress. I can do that. I can't do that. Right? So this removes the concept of supercompensation, like the body's calculating 2% over what it was. Right, right, looking into the future thinking, no, that's not what goes on. That's not, that's not what Celia's paper said happened either. So we're just, we're just trying to tighten up the language that we use to express this phenomenon. Okay, and I, we're not through tinkering with it yet, but we'll, we'll have an article on it when we do. Friday you were talking about D1 and pro strength and conditioning coaches, that they're the worst. It seems counterintuitive. I, they're not always the worst, but they, they, they get away with it. How does it occur that guys in strength and conditioning hide behind the, the genetics of their trainees? Well, we can, I can it, explain it again. If I you mean, want it, it, in most professions, you have some type of successful outcome. Or you're required to have that. Right. For that. Right. How is this, how is this industry different? Well, because the successful outcome in this industry uh, can appear to occur without any constructive input from the professional because you're, of who you're dealing with. If you're dealing with 18-year-old boys with a 36-inch vertical jump who are going to get to be 22 or 23 if you don't manage to kill them, then what you're dealing with is a population of genetic freaks that are going to get even freakier anyway. Because normal growth. And if you really think that standing uh, with one leg on a bench and the other leg on a BOSU ball doing split squats with three-pound dumbbells, improves the athletic ability of an 18-year-old man who can jump 36 inches off the ground already. And you really honestly believe that this is a, 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 a valid approach to improving their physical capacity, then you don't understand what strength is. You don't understand what, what contribution strength makes to athletic performance. And you don't... Uh, uh, really even begin to tap the potential of that organism to improve his physical ability. You don't know how to make him strong. So in lieu of that, you're content to just let him demonstrate what he can already do. And you think that that accomplishes that. Look, we know he's a good athlete. We know he changes direction fast. We know he's explosive. That's why we hired him. Right? That's why we hired him. If he couldn't do all of that, he'd still be 
you know, in Wichita Falls and not on the team up here at Nebraska. So, I, you know, it's a, it's just interesting that, uh, and I, you know, we know, you know, we're in contact with actual strength coaches around the country, guys that actually understand what their job is. And they're sickened by this too. You know, that, that this profession has devolved in some quarters into just cheerleading. But if you don't know how to get, you don't know how to teach a, a kid with that degree of athletic ability how to do these lifts, the easiest people on earth to teach these lifts to, if you don't know how to do that, you know, insurance is a great business. Just sell insurance. You know, you get your, get your picture on a bench, you know. State Farm, hey. Picture on a bench. More people will even know you. They see these benches. Right? Say a pretty aerobically fit middle-aged person comes to you and says, Oh, my knees have been hurting. I went to see the physical therapist and they diagnosed me as having weak glutes and gave me these rubber bands to do these exercises for. What would you say to encourage them to try the starting strength program to address their knee pain? I'd say try the starting strength program to address, to address your knee pain. And let's see if it works. You'll know in two weeks. Two weeks. You'll know in two weeks. That's what we call a softball. <laughs> okay, here's one. All right, good. All right. Right. So there are certain personality types, and some people really get into something like starting strength. It's very um, programmatic. It's very uh, um, logical. Structured. Yeah, logical, structured. structured. Programmed, you know. Understandable. A lot of people, but a lot of people just don't like that personality types. They just want. They don't want that much structure. They feel. Why not? Like, a lot of people like form. to come to the gym and just fuck around. I right. understand that. So, what do you tell those people? You know, they could benefit from it, but you just kind of, you just kind of say, "Well, that's not." What your you say is, is you're, you're, I, we we're happy you're here. Your dues are due Friday, and then you take the check and you stick it in your checking account and you mark their dues paid for October. Those people will always constitute the majority of the membership of any gym. Right? Even in but, your club? Yeah, in any club. You know, well, we, we kind of select for, I've gotten to the point where I don't depend on my gym for an income stream. So, I've been able to indulge the fact that I'm an asshole <laughs> by restricting my membership to people who worship me. <laughs> and so we don't have anybody in my gym right now that isn't doing this program, but I've designed it that way. But I'm not a commercial gym. Right. I'm, I'm my office. 
Right. We run our gym like it's our office, and it's, it's a business expense. It actually loses money. But if you're going to be running a commercial gym, and anybody that is running a commercial gym that depends on the dues line to pay the bills, you have no choice but to accept the fact that there are going to be a majority of your members that want you to shut up and leave them alone. Because they're not interested in this program. They're not interested in any program. They already know this. They know what they need for themselves. See? And what you do with those people is you shut up and you leave them alone and you deposit the dues. Because you have to pay the bills. And I mentioned this Friday night. This program appeals to a minority of the people in the fitness industry market because it is boring. It's a limited number of exercises. It's boring. And it is hard because when you get three months into your linear progression, the weights are heavy. And you have to get under them and push on them when you'd rather not. And not everybody will do that. Not everybody wants to be bored. And not everybody's willing to pay the price of being bored and doing hard things to get accomplished what they want to get done. It takes an exceptional person. It takes an intelligent person, a disciplined, structured kind of a person. And that does not describe everybody in the general public and certainly not everybody in the fitness market. Okay? That's just the facts. That's the facts. We're not going to reach everybody. At no point in the history of this planet will everybody be doing what we tell you to do in this book. But the people that do it always get results. Even if they don't do it correctly, this approach is so powerful that everybody that does it always gets results. Rakulia, one of our coaches, Nicholas Rakulia, just did a study of all of the people on our board that post results in their training log, that post their workouts in the training log, and went through everybody that was kind of doing the program. They had to, he had a set of criteria, all right? And everybody didn't meet this basic set of criteria was excluded from even looking at their data. But looking at their data, oh, and I, where did we write this down? It's in a recent article on the, it's in a recent article on the board. But what it boils down to is that less than 2% of everybody that posted on the board actually did the program. And they still get stronger. And that's a really self-selected group. Too. It is a self-selected group. And everybody basically thinks that, well, I'm going to do starting strength. I'm going to do it my way. So they're going to modify it and do all this other stuff. But even heading in the direction of this type of programming is a very powerful, very powerful stimulus. Doing exercises kind of our way, limiting the number of exercises, squatting at or below, kind of like parallel, you know, doing some deadlifts, pressing, benching, uh, works.
works every time it's been tried. Optimally, works very, 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 very well. Suboptimally, it works very well. So, that's the, that's the basic deal there. You're not going to talk everybody into doing this program. And you shouldn't think that you will. Right? And you as a gym owner have got to know when to not try to do that. You know, if you've got to get the bills paid and the guy wants to come in and do curls, let him do curls. It's not going to hurt anything. I just don't want to see it, so I don't let him do it in my gym, but I'm not in everybody else's situation. Okay? But, but the bottom line is, is we're narrow casting, right? We're not broadcasting, we're narrow casting. All right? We, uh, this program appeals to a subset of the fitness industry, and you shouldn't expect it to do anything else. 